love it or hate it, one of the staples of pop culture entertainment is reality TV. While prestige TV and quirky comedies are often our guild's go-tos, who among us really hasn't gotten hooked by a reality TV show at one point or another? No judgment here, but plenty of reality TV content to make connections today. And unlike most competition reality shows, at least as far as I know, nobody's getting voted off the show today. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Playground, Grounded Learners Guild members. We are happy to have you joining us here for a little bit of fun summer content, but we also are trying to enjoy our summer and have a little fun connecting things to the world of education, teams, and learning. And so to do that, we're playing a game we're calling Six Degrees of Education, where we take a common pattern, theme, concept, media, whatever it is, and make connections, six of them, to education. Pretty straightforward. For our norms this time, we've got an added one, you guys. Instead of two, we've got three, right? Yep. So the first one is, you're used to by now, 20 minutes. We've done some really well, some not so well, but we use it there so that we can get in and get out on this content as quickly as possible so we can still keep it light and breezy for the summer. The second that we have going on for our norms is spoilers will follow, but this time we're actually going to tweak that a little bit. Instead of spoilers will follow, we're going to make the norm, especially with reality TV, if it's a show that has a winner, we make that promise we're not going to give that away in the show so it doesn't ruin or spoil any of these possible shows for you. And then finally, and here's the new one for us, is we need a little bit of structure from the previous episodes or minisodes that we have done. We've had typically one topic. This one is very varied. And because of that, we need to give you the quick premise and from that premise, move into the connections. But we want to keep that premise and just short, don't want to give you too much whiplash. We just want to make sure that you've got what the topic is for which connection clear as can be. All right, so let's get started, ladies. We're going to begin with our first reality TV show, and Children of the 90s Rejoice. We're going to start <laughs> with The Real World. Yes, yeah, so if you recall and are of that certain generation, this is where you have seven strangers living in a house who stop being polite and start getting real. So that's just the basic premise of the show, seven people living in a house together and just figuring it all out. Okay. The first season of The Real World that got me hooked was Las Vegas. And it really was the turning point <laughs> for The Real World in that, again, family show sort of thing. The relationships were really, really crucial. The center point to the show, them hooking up with other people or getting to know other people and spending times at local bars, clubs, whatever. And to me, that's really what you need, not going to the bars and hooking up with people, but <laughs> <laughs> creating relationships. When you're in a high functioning team or environment, you need to be able to build at least cordial or positive in some way, shape or form relationships. Because if you're in schools, that person is going to be right next to the hall from you and you're going to see each other throughout the hallway as you're walking. So for me, the biggest connection with real world is it centers on relationships. It's a lesson for what not to do when it comes to relationships <laughs> with the toxicity so that we yes. can be productive. Yes, be productive and not have all the drama because the drama doesn't do anything when you're talking about education. It just ends up being all consuming and negative. 
So another thing I thought of when I think about the real world is the fact that, first of all, when they live together in a lot of those seasons, they don't necessarily just live together and like la 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 relationship drama, although that's pretty much the juicy part, but they still are expected to work a job and do something productive together. So that idea of teaming is important. But the thing I wanted to draw focus on was the confessional. So I want to talk about the confessional because I think that it shows the importance of having a safe space or an honest space. And a lot of times I almost see that as not so much being like sit in the booth and they're going to videotape you and show everybody later. But (laughs) kind of the opposite of that is the importance of looking at yourself and having a place that you can be honest with yourself and your feelings to reflect and potentially, hopefully grow to be a more productive member of that team. So kind of of thinking about how powerful video as well as mm-hmm. an honest safe place for a conversation can be in coaching that's where i see the confessional connection occurring nice one i had not remembered Thanks. that but i'm so yes. glad you brought that up because you know me i love reflection no doubt so for mine first casey you shared what your favorite one was mine <laughs> happened to be the season where they were in chicago oh so. yeah And that said, when I think of this as a connection to school, and I worked in a high school, then here's the thing, like it or not, there's always some drama, especially when you're working so closely with people all the time. It's just interesting to see how different personalities interact. And I guess, to keep it as positive as I possibly can, when we think of the real world, the show, there's a casting crew that puts those people in positions that they know are going to have some friction. Right. In the work environment, that's not necessarily the case. You're hiring the best people for the job, but sometimes friction ensues and how do you work through that? That's not as intentionally happening as it is in the show, but nonetheless, we acknowledge that it's there and hopefully work past it to be productive. Emily, I loved your reminder that these not only were people who lived in the same house together, but they also worked together, whether they were club promoters or working at an agency, live, whatever it was. Yeah. And How think- real the job was. <laughs> it's debatable, right? But there was a job. There was a job. But I think it's an important connection to make. The people we work with day to day become like a second family mm-hmm. to us. And with all sorts of families, you have drama, but you also have celebration and success as well. Way to keep it positive. I try. So what's next? So for a little bit of mood whiplash, let's move away from all the drama and craziness (laughs) of the real world into the glitz and glam of Dancing with the Stars for our second connection. Yes. So Dancing with the Stars is one of three reality competition shows that are appearing on our list. And basic gist of this is you have a celebrity pairing with a famous ballroom classically trained dancer, and they have different types of dances that they're responsible for performing. And your goal is to get that mirror ball trophy for the celebrity to be crowned the best celebrity dancer. So what are the connections that we can make here? What I think of first is a lot of times the celebrities that come on there, this is like a second go at a career. Yeah. <laughs> Not all the time, but you often see that they're famous for some reason. They're looking to almost see what else is out there and what they can do to promote themselves and what they do. Not always, but I think that it is a good lesson in not to give up on yourself, especially if you are in a position where you're thinking, what else do I need or what else is out there or how else can I grow and to challenge yourself to go out there and try something new because a lot of times what makes the show so interesting is watching people that haven't been classically trained Mm -hmm. take on a new challenge. And I think that that's really powerful and impactful when you're willing to take a risk and try something different and see how you do. To me, so many of the dances that they do on the show, like Pasa Doble, Waltz, you need to not only have 
the physical capability to move your body in that way. But you and your partner have to have some sort of chemistry. There has to be some additional emotional element. And I'm dancing right now as I'm talking, which I'm sure is making both of you laugh. But there's got to be some sort of chemistry and passion. And those are the groupings, the pairings that move far in the competition. You can tell when certain people on the show, the Jerry Springers, the <laughs> Carol Baskin, when those people She did it. She was on she that did. one. She was. She yeah. did. She did. Um, when those people are on the show, you can tell that the chemistry is off. And just like with education, your heart has to be in it. You have to be passionate about what you're doing with whether you're teaching or working with adults or students, no matter their age level, because this job is hard. It is physically, mentally, emotionally draining. And it's that passion that's not only going to get you through the day to day, but it's going to inspire your students and your teams. And here comes Team Skeptic to just <laughs> make it all weird. Yes. <laughs> what I was going to say about Dancing with the Stars was about foundational practice and tweaking practice, because mm. I don't necessarily think it's an issue of chemistry per se. I usually think that the ones who typically win Dancing with the Stars are people with some sort of dancing and or athletic background more often than not. So there are some foundational practices that go into making them good and giving them an existing edge. So when I think about that, I think about the way that people are trained and onboarded and mentored when they first start doing something and that that makes them have some existing capacity to excel in some ways that other people who weren't given those advantages, that training, those adjustments to their practices early on might not necessarily have. So I think it speaks to the importance of how we treat our newest members of the profession and what we can do for them to build their capacity in that way so that you've got your people who have been in bands like boy bands that have won before like with the girl from the pussycat dolls won right or did i just make that up that's possible and i remember like no, she apollo, was, apollo ono was an early five. winner yeah. yeah so like people who usually get high in that have existing athletic and or dance practice as a part of their repertoire. And I think that that is showing that there's skills being built on something that exists, not from scratch per se. Like it. And guys, two for two where we've all had different connections. I don't know if we've ever done that before. No, man. We had like one one in the queen episode. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's keep it going or not. All right. So the next one we're going to do is again, a little bit of mood whiplash here. We're moving away from dancing with the stars and now we're talking hoarders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this one, it's an A&E documentary style reality show where Each episode, you have maybe one to two different people, and these are the types of people that collect a whole bunch of stuff. Their homes are filled and filled and filled with stuff, whether they have obsessions where they're gathering and saving old newspapers, or these are the people that can't ever pass a garage sale and not buy something. And the premise of the show is they tell their story, and then an at-home organizer comes in and helps them clean out their life. So here's how... (laughs) We can connect to education. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. Anyone have an idea? Okay, so what I was going to say about hoarders is just that there are practices or units or things that we keep. I think what we could say about hoarders is in the process when people are starting to grow and heal away from their hoarding habits, it involves having to let go of things. And I think that it speaks to the power of letting go of things that aren't working for us anymore. And I think that clearly 
those habits are a problem for the people in this show. Yep. They're not always such a drastic, dangerous, horrible problem for those of us in the education world. But I think that there is some freedom that can be had of letting go of practices that aren't either serving us or our students anymore. And just finding a way to, even if they're dear to us because of nostalgia or because of association or even just because it's always worked in the past, even just letting go and trying new things mm -hmm. can really give us some freedom and growth. Right. And to extend on that even further, Emily, it's prioritizing what is actually important. So for example, on the show, sometimes they'll take you through these houses and you could barely move. These poor people have just a pathway to get from point A to point B within their home. And to me, that's just like, as a teacher, you can sometimes be drowning in grading. Like if you're choosing to assess every little thing for students, you're not really prioritizing what skills you're actually looking for with them. And so you can feel like you're drowning. So having teachers remind themselves like, okay, I can prioritize what am I actually going to look for when I look at this and assess this piece of work? And what's my true intention with it? Is it a formative or is it a summative? It's a summative. I really don't need to focus on the feedback portion if I've been providing formative feedback all along. Love it. And for my connection, I think of the power of partnership. Mm -hmm. And most of these people, Emily, you're talking about, they are healing or they're going through a process and what they need is to not go it alone. They can't go it alone. Right. They need a professional to yeah. help them through this. And again, here's another shameless plug for coaching or high functioning teammanship because we all are either healing from something or could improve on something. And let's do that with a partner. Let's get somebody in there that's going to help us organize our thoughts or organize our house and improve. Yep. Get your house in order. Next up, we're going to talk about Survivor. So what do we have as far as just and connections? In this show, you've got 12, 13 people stranded on a desert island competing as individuals, but also as alliances and in teams in order to be the last person on the island standing. The first thing I thought of with this was, is more of the darker side of education. When we get near the March, April time period as educators, this is when FTE and assignments start coming out. And there's only so many resources to be distributed within a system. So everyone kind of has to be out for themselves a little bit in the sense for, I want to provide the best services I can given the limited number of resources my system is allotted. So Casey, absolutely, but I'm going to take it on the lighter side. Yay! At least try to. Thank you. <laughs> so I think of how you have to be almost like a Swiss army knife as an educator. Ooh, you have like to relearn things. You have to be adaptable. You have to think about you're thrown into a situation you weren't intending and how are you going to survive that situation? There's so many different connections that you can think of when you think of survival mode. Mm -hmm. And we've seen educators do that over the past year and a half, but also just that's how we are naturally because there's so many situations that come to you that you're not necessarily planning for and have to be ready to shift on a dime. So whether that's building a fire with using clothing for kindling. I don't know. But our educators are also having to come up with what's the solution that wasn't my intended plan in the first place. 
I want to focus on alliances because I think of the alliances as like the team that helps you get there. Because at the end of the day, yes, as a teacher, it is you and your students and you kind of are standing alone at the end of it. Just like the alliances don't last all the way to the finale because, you know, usually there's some backstabby terribleness. But in the world of education, the alliance is what brings you to the point where you stand alone, just like to win a competition reality show. And the way that the people on the island ally with each other and use each other's strengths and utilize each other's strengths to get somebody to victory, I think, is a way of showing that at some point or another, you can get somebody in your alliance to shine at some point or another. As teachers, we want it to be everybody at some point or another. In Survivor, not so much. But the alliance is an important way to get there it's another way of thinking about teams moving on now we're going to go to the antithesis of survivor and into <laughs> the great british baking show we were worried about whiplash guys hope you're sticking with us <laughs> i feel like we arranged these different choices on purpose to be yeah. as different from each other as possible <laughs> let's just roll with it yeah let's just mm-hmm. roll with it so this is our third and final reality competition show and it's a total 180 compared to the others that we have mentioned so basic gist of this is every week a series of bakers are competing surrounding a theme, whether that theme is a specific type of cake or cookies, breads. biscuits, breads, whatever it is. And they have a series of three challenges that they have to align underneath that main theme. And a baker of the week is chosen and celebrated. And it's completely void of any of the shade that we normally see (laughs) in reality TV. It's just people who love to bake things coming together, showing their creativity and getting feedback on it. So for making some connections, I'm actually going to dive right into this one. I like these sort of low stakes competition reality shows. And I think what I like about them is you can connect them to a place with good social, emotional, and staff care considerations. This is a place where they've made it a loving environment for every person on the show. Even when critiques happen, they're done in a gentle and respectful way. And this is the anti-survivor. Like I said, you go to this show for the happy vibes to see people being kind to each other. And when you think about the world that we are living in in education and what would best serve our students and our staffs is creating this type of environment, this type of bubble of kindness, respect, and healthy social emotional environment building. But my connection to the Great British Baking Show really applies to success criteria. For all of the challenges that they offer, they clearly list out your product must have this, must have this, and must have this. And those are the things they really use during that judging phase. And those are the kinds of things as educators we want to do, clearly communicating success criteria And when we provide feedback, those are the things we evaluate on. So then it takes out the personal attack. It's not that I didn't like what you made. It was delicious, but I didn't hear the snap in your Florentine. So it's just very sweet. (laughs) Wow, you guys, you did the nice one. And now I'm going to do the reverse and do the darker (laughs) one. Because I agree. While I agree with you, it is so wholesome. The show is so wholesome and you go for it for good. The part that I thought of first and foremost was thinking about leadership. And when you think of the judges and the hosts of that show, they're fantastic. If you think of the early seasons, you've got Mary Berry and you've got Paul Hollywood. They are 
epic. And then you have some really funny hosts in Sue and Mel. I came to love them so much. And if you think of them as your leaders, you have these leaders and then eventually leaders either move on or they retire in -hmm. education and there's a changing of the guard. And while, yeah, Paul Hollywood is still there, now his new counterpart is Prue and Sue and Mel, where did they go? I don't know where they, like they left and all of a sudden you've got Noel and Sandy, who are these people? And you're kind of like, where do my people go? And when you find yourself in that position, you can't help but be a little bit like, I got to build some new relationships. I have to establish new trust. And sometimes that's hard, but it's a reality of the working world and something that when we embrace and we learn to be like, let's give them a chance. Let's see what they can do before we judge. I think we're going to be more productive in the work we do. Great. There's some kind of metaphor in there for treating our judges and our hosts like we treat our bakers with that <laughs> SEL bubble of happiness. All right, moving on, y'all. We're going to uh, talk about the last one, which actually is not as whiplashy, a little bit. Kitchen nightmares. Yeah. Still talking so, cooking, at least. Yes, we're still talking cooking. Better segue. <laughs> total 180 compared to the delightful. <laughs> hosts of the Great British Baking Show. This one is hosted by Gordon Ramsay, one of my favorite reality TV show personalities. The basic gist of it is you've got a restaurant, one per episode, and Gordon Ramsay comes in, he samples the food, watches a dinner service and a lunch service, and then with his design team, turns the restaurant around, gives them the tools they need in order to turn a floundering, terrible business into an opportunity where the owners can once again be profitable. So in terms of connections, I have it a lot because this is a show that I love more than I probably should because (laughs) the first half of it is always gross. But one thing that Gordon Ramsay stresses when he is dealing with kitchens is having a really clear picture of what reality is. People are not coming to your restaurant for a reason. So his job is to help those restaurateurs understand what that current reality is. He also stresses the importance of everyone in that organization having a role. So front of house people, you focus front of house. Kitchen staff, you need to know where your station is and where you go. And the most floundering restaurants will have some sort of breakdown in either those roles, not having an awareness of current reality, and also lack of communication. No one wants to step up and clearly communicate. I know I just did a lot. You could tell how much I love this show. (laughs) That's your jam. And I think that's why I'm just kind of feel like I'm piggybacking, but you also said like four things. But <laughs> I, I was did thinking all of it for us. <laughs> I know, pretty much. We could just be like, and we stand with Veach. But real quick, I'm going to say my thing was about the current reality part of that as well, because that's kind of what I was thinking here is okay, Gordon is like swearing and saying lots of nasty stuff. But on the flip side, he is giving people a clear, honest, reflection and look at what's going on there and when the cameras come in they can see every aspect of the business sometimes the leaders of that business are not even aware of the way things are and are not working in some ways until they see it from all those angles so again the power of current reality and keeper of the norms i'm going to just say yes current reality so we can move on Okay, so that then brings us to game time. So let's have some fun playing a quick reality TV themed game team. Sounds good. So this one is just going to be 
quick and dirty, we are just going to say what reality show are you guiltiest to admit that you watched? And as a, what do they call it, the tribunal, we are going to decide whose is the worst, and that is going to be the winner. But as episodes are, I'm going to be the tiebreaker if need occurs for one. So who is ready to spill? I'll go first. You guys already know this, I think, but Dr. Pimple Popper, it's like oh a guilty God. pleasure. And anybody out there listening, and you, if you like it too, you know what I'm talking about. There's just some weird satisfaction from watching all of those things get cleaned out. But my goodness, it is disgusting. Oh, man. Yeah, that's nasty. I'm going deep into the vaults of history here with dating Ooh. reality shows. And I'm going to admit that I watched Joe Millionaire. <laughs> From start to finish, every single episode, my college self had a terrible taste. Okay, Casey? Fess. Hello, all. My name is Casey Beach, and the show that I am most guilty of watching, Toddlers and Tiaras. <laughs> dance Mom? Is it like Dance Moms? So, relatively same channel, Lifetime TLC. Pageants, um, though, it, right? Oh, pageants. Oh, so these God. are parents who parade their children in head-to-toe glamour, rhinestones, fake teeth, fake tans. Children are screaming. Oh. Yes. Fake it is, teeth? Oh. Yeah, flippers. Fake teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I am guilty of it. And I don't know if it subconsciously makes me feel better about being a parent. At least I don't have my kids doing that. So... I was going to say, all the dirty laundry is hanging on the line now, team. So which one is the most embarrassing? That's the one that wins. What do we think? We've got Dr. Pimple Popper, Joe Millionaire, and Toddlers in Tiaras wins. My vote goes to Casey for <laughs> kids with fake teeth. Oh, man. Yeah, like, that's pretty serious, bad. There's seriously something wrong with me. That's okay. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Casey too, just because there was like an automatic built-in justification. You and I were both. I like, feel like I had. We're to. nasty, and I you're like, like, I, I feel like to. I have to say why I watched this show. Oh, so what does Casey win? Let's years see. worth of therapy. Because <laughs> seriously, I'm glad you spoke up because I was going to say you win a tiara and a set of fake teeth. Sorry. <laughs> How about it all? She wins it all. <laughs> all right. Mm. So congratulations to our winner, Casey. And thank you. Uh, thank you for stopping by the Pop Culture Playground. We hope you'll join us again for our next probably equally as random episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. And that's a wrap for another mini-sode on GLG's summer pop culture playground, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we continue to advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool. Might you consider leaving us a review? It helps us to keep growing, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists in getting this content into others' hands, or better put, ears. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, on this minisode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the playground, and even though it's summer, do your best to stay grounded.